Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Innalhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiru Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina Wa min sayyati a'malina Man yahdihillah falamudillalah Wa man yudlil falahadiyalah Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah Wahduhu la sharika lah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهم رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد في أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير حديث حديث محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر محدثاتها والكل محدث بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وبعد فحياكم الله إخوة وبارك الله فيكم الحمد لله no doubt it brings joy to the heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has facilitated once again for us to meet here in the city of Leeds and have a gathering such as this as one of the brothers pointed out it's been many years since I've been able to come and sit with yourselves here in this city and we intend, inshallah, within these next two sittings, uh, this week and next week, to go through the explanation of the hadith, which is well known and referred to generally as the hadith of Jibril. The hadith referred to as the hadith of Jibril. Due to the fact that what is found within it are many benefits for the usul of our religion, for the foundations of our religion, as well as a key understanding of what our religion is built upon. And so no doubt, even if many of us are familiar with it, the reminder benefits the believer, and so it should be a means of us, inshallah ta'ala, going over things from our deen that may aid us in the dunya and the akhirah. And so... The text begins The text begins With the narration Of the Sahabi Or the narration of the Sahabi And Umar ibn Khattab Radiallahu anhu Qal Bainama nahnu julus In the Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam If tola alayna Majlun shadidu bayad al-thiyab Wa shadidu al-sawad al-sha'ar La yara alayhi athar al-safar ولا يعرف منا أحد حتى جلس إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسند ركبتيه إلى ركبتيه ووضع كفيه إلى فخذيه وقال يا محمد أخبرني عن الإسلام فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الإسلام أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت تهج البيت إن استطاع إليه سبيلا قال صدقت قال فعجبنا له يسأله 
يصدقه يستسأله ويصدقه so the hadith begins by mentioning the Umar al-Khattab عنه, states that whilst we were sitting with the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that day a man came upon us with a brilliant white fold white garment and complete black hair and there was no sign upon him that he had been a traveller no sign of travelling upon him and no one from us knew him and then he said he sat with the messenger of Allah or sat to the Prophet and placed his knees towards his knees and placed his palms upon his thighs and thus stated O Muhammad inform me about Islam and so the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he stated Islam is to bear witness that there is no deity worthy of truth worthy of, worth, of worship and truth besides Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah to establish the prayer to give the zakah to fast him for Ramadan and to perform the hajj to the house of Allah whoever is able to do so and this he stated, he stated sadaqt and you have spoke the truth and so Umar ibn Khattab the narrator mentions so we were surprised we found it something strange and surprising that he asked him but thus he mentions that he spoke the truth thereafter the, the, the narration mentions قَالْ أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ قَالْ أَنْ تُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَكُتْبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَتُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ قَالَ صَدَقْتِ I said, inform me about Iman. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi stated that Iman is to believe in Allah, the angels, his books, his angels, his books, his messengers, the final day, and the qadr, the good of it, and the bad. And so he said, you have spoken the truth. قال فأخبرني عن الإحسان قال أن تعبد الله كأنك تراه فإن لم تكن تراه فإنه يراك He said inform me about إحسان The Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam mentioned إحسان is to worship Allah as if you see him but indeed you don't see him but he sees you قال فأخبرني عن الساعة then he said, inform me of the hour. Call ma mas'ul anha So he stated, the one that has been asked does not have more knowledge than the one that is asking. Call fa'akhbirni an amaratiha. Call and tell it to ammatar rabbataha. Wa an tarahu fa'urah al-ala ri'ah al-sha'a. Itatawaluna fil bunyan. And so he said, inform me of its signs, like the signs of the hour. And so he mentioned that the slave woman will give birth to her master. And you will see the barefooted shepherds competing with one another in building the two buildings. 
قال ثم انطلق فلبثت المليا ثم قال لي يا عمر اتدري من السائل قلت الله قلت الله ورسوله اعلم قال فانه جبريل اتاكم يعلمكم دينكم والراح مسلم and so thereafter the man left and he was left for a period of time and thus he came to the messenger of Allah came to Umar and said oh Umar did you know who was the question who the question was I said Allah and his messenger know best he stated indeed he is Jibreel he has come to you to teach you your religion and this is the hadith recorded by Imam Muslim Rahimahullah This is the hadith of Jibreel This is the hadith of Jibreel As is revealed in the end of the hadith That this man That was unknown at the time This man was Jibreel salam. The first thing we want to look at in relation to this narration Is the Manzala, the status of this narration itself And A Nawawi, rahimahullah, a Nawawi mentions in relation to this narration, had a hadith, mabniyan ahamiyatu fi kawlihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, atakum li'allimukum deenukum. That, Nawawi mentions that this hadith is built upon and is based upon the last thing that he mentions, the Messenger of Allah mentions in this narration. Where he mentions in this was Jibreel, he came to you to teach you the affair of your religion. So this is an indication, the statement of Noah is an indication that this hadith is comprehensive of all of the important affairs of your deen. The all of the important affairs of your deen, and the most important affairs of your deen. Likewise, you have the statement of Ibn al-Daqiq al-Eid. Al-Hafid ibn Daqiq al-Eid He says هذا الحديث عظيم اشتمل على القواعد اشتمل على جميع هذه الأعمال الظاهرة والباطنة So he says this hadith is one that is a great narration It's a great narration because it comprises of all of the principles, I had the greater principles. And it comprises of the actions, whether they be the actions that are apparent and open, or the apparent that, the actions that are within. Likewise, what is mentioned about this narration as well, is that it is referred to, this hadith is referred to the Umm Sunnah. Just as Sumitul Fatiha, Surah Al Fatiha is referred to as the Umm Al Quran. Surah Al Fatiha is referred to as the Umm Al Quran because whatever is found within it, Surah Al Fatiha, is an indication of the of whatever else is found within the Book of Allah. The affair of Fatiha is inclusive of the praise of Allah, is inclusive of inclusive of Tawheed, inclusive of Dua. And other than that, something which is found in the rest of the Quran. And so thus this hadith, likewise, within this narration, 
is an indication of that which is found within the rest of the Sunnah. This narration is an indication of that which is found within the rest of the Sunnah, which no doubt is the affair of Islam, Iman and Ihsan. So that's the status of this hadith, the status of this narration. Thereafter we go on to look at some of the wordings and some of the, the specific wordings found in this narration. The first thing we find within this narration is the description of the man. The man, which no doubt, was Jibril, alayhi salam. And was revealed to be Jibril later on in the narration. And the description for him, from him, or of him, was that he was a man that had a brilliant white fold, and complete black hair, jet black hair. And thereafter, what was mentioned in the narration, لا يرى عليه أثر السفر ولا يعرف منا أحد. So these two, these two descriptions that he did not have. The Athar suffered upon him, did not have the, uh, any, any effects or any signs that he had been a traveler upon him. Nor did any of us know him. So these two specific attributes or these two descriptions together was something which was strange, something which was noteworthy. Due to the fact that if he had been a traveler, if he had decided to have been a traveler, then, of course, he wouldn't have been known because he's a traveler. He's from outside of their location. But he does not have those signs. And, but at the same time, he's not known by anybody. And so this is something which was, regardless as being strange. Because there was no indication that he was a traveler, nor was there an indication that he was a resident. And so this was noted, and this was mentioned by... Umar al-Khattab in the narration because it was something which was drawn to attention. The second thing we find in this narration as well when discussing the nature of the man is that it mentions in terms of the jalous i.e. the sitting of Jibreel for asnada rukbatehi ala rukbatehi or wada kafehi ala fakhidehi that he stood, he sat down with his knees towards his knees. So the knees towards the knees of the Prophet And placing his hands upon his fires. This is an indication. And within this is a delil for the manner in which a person should be sitting when seeking knowledge. And that when seeking knowledge, the Talib al-ilm, from the adab of the Talib al-Ilm, from the mannerism of the Talib al-Ilm must have a thing that he must pay attention to, is the manner in which he sits. And our Shaykh, Shaykh Abdullah al-Bukhari, Hafidhullah ta'ala, he mentioned that he would mention on many occasions the statement, Qad yukun, Qad yukun, Adam, he said it's possible or perhaps that a person, the student of knowledge 
that is devoid of correct mannerisms, this could be a reason and, a, and could lead to him being prevented from attaining that knowledge. So mannerisms and the mannerisms of the student are not, uh, this is not something that the person should take and regardless of being something which is an amr, which is sahal or hayyan, as they say. An amr which is you know, small or minute and they shouldn't be taken any, paid any attention to. Rather, in reality, when that student of knowledge carries himself and he seeks that knowledge, he's well aware that he's seeking knowledge to draw himself closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he's seeking to take from the thamarat of that knowledge, from the fruits of that knowledge, which are the a'mal salihah, which are the righteous actions. And so when he finds himself in those gatherings of knowledge, he should find himself in a manner and present himself in a manner which is befitting of that particular gathering. And, a, and an analogy of that would be when a person, he wants to apply for a job. He wants to apply for a job because, or he wants to go to a job interview because he wants to ultimately get the job. So that he can increase in his career or increase in his income and his risk. And so he has a goal. And so when the person atta- uh, attends this particular interview, he wears his best clothing, he presents himself, he presents himself in the best way, speak in the best manner, speak to, speak to the one that's interviewing him in the best manner possible, and give the best account of himself. And this is for the one that is seeking to attain something from the dunya. Wulabats, this is something which the person should do. Present himself in the best way. So then the question must be asked, what about the one that is seeking to attain something from the book and the sunnah, the wahyain? He's seeking to attain something from the ayat, understanding of the ayat of the Qur'an, or understanding of the hadith of the Messenger of Allah No doubt he must carry himself in the best way as well. And... An indication of that is the statement of Imam Malik, rahimahullah, where he mentions that we would, when we would go to the gatherings of, recita- of recitation of the hadith, the, the gatherings where we would narrate hadith to one another, we would wear our best clothing, we would purify ourselves, and we would perfume ourselves. This was the mannerisms of the imma. And so then going back to this narration here, we see with the manner in which Jibreel salam, sat by the Prophet wasallam, that he sat in a manner where he was intending to take knowledge from him and take knowledge in the best way possible. And so this narration goes on to mention Akhbirni and in Islam. I inform you about Islam. And so the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentions Islam. That Islam is to bear witness. And Tashru an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah. 
what we understand first and foremost from this narration is that Islam, both Islam and Iman are mentioned within this narration. And there's a principle about Islam and Iman in terms of its definition. The principle is إِذَا اجْتَمَعَ افْتَرَقَ وَإِفْتَرَقَ اجْتَمَعَ Now, إِذَا اجْتَمَعَ افْتَرَقَ وَإِفْتَرَقَ اجْتَمَعَ Meaning, that if they are mentioned together, then the definitions are different. Whilst if they are mentioned separately, then the definitions are the same. So in this narration, no doubt, both are mentioned. So they're mentioned together, Islam and Iman. So they are defined differently. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in this narration, when he was asked about Islam, he defines Islam by way of the a'mal, by way of the actions. By way of the actions, where it would be the actions upon the tongue or the actions of the limbs. Whilst when he was asked, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, about Iman, he refers to Iman by way of the action of the heart and the i'tiqad, the creed. What do you believe in? And so, when he's asked about Islam, he mentions first and foremost, that Islam is to bear witness that there's no deity worthy of worship in truth besides Allah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. And it was known as the Shahadatin. The first thing, in relation to the Shahadatin, we have the Shahada of La ilaha illallah. Now, the first of the Shahadatin is the Shahada of La ilaha illallah. The Shahada of La ilaha illallah, first and foremost, in its definition, we have people, we have those that define it. And there are three central definitions for the shahada of la ilaha illallah. There are three central definitions for that. Two of them, of course, are incorrect, and one of them is correct. So you have those, first and foremost, that define la ilaha illallah to mean la khaliqa illallah. So they define la ilaha illallah to mean that there is no creator besides Allah. And this is incorrect, first and foremost. Because if the person was to state that La ilaha illallah means that there's no khaliq besides Allah, and this is the only meaning, then you have only directed this, um, this particular <coughs> definition upon the Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. All you have done by way of this definition is affirm the rububi of Allah. La khaliqa illallah, that you affirm in the action that Allah Ta'ala is the creator. And you affirm in his rububiyah. But you have not differentiated the affair of the uluhiyah of Allah. And the worship of the servants. And so thus with that, we say, the sound al-hal, or this one, what it necessitates is that if we were to say that the kalima of la ilaha illallah is what is needed for a person to enter into Islam, then 
if we're saying the meaning is that there's la khaliqa illallah, anyone that believes that Allah, that Allah Ta'ala is the khaliq, is the creator, and affirms that Allah is the creator, then this would be sufficient for them to enter, enter into Islam. And so that would be inclusive of the mushrikeen. As Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَإِنْ سَأَلْتُهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيْكُلُونَ اللَّهِ And if you were to ask them, I refer it to the mushriks, who created the heavens and the earth? Indeed, they will say Allah. So this is something that they affirmed. However, we know that this is not something which is sufficient. Thereafter, you may have those that define the shahada of La ilaha illallah to mean La wujud khaliqa illallah. That there is no God, and it's translated in English, there's no God besides Allah. This definition is erroneous as well for the first reason is that it, this definition denies reality. This definition denies reality. Because if you say there's no God besides Allah this is a denial of reality because there are false gods that are taken besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are false deities that are taken besides Allah azawajal, and are worshipped other than Allah ta'ala. So you cannot say that there's no God besides Allah because there are others that are taken as false deities. This is the first, this is the first error. The second, which is even more grave, is due to what it necessitates. That if a person says that there's nothing, there's no God besides Allah, i.e. referring, meaning that there's nothing worshipped besides Allah, then this necessitates that you're saying that everything that is worshipped essentially is Allah. If you're saying nothing is worshipped except that it's Allah Then you're saying that everything that is worshipped is Allah Whether it be the Aslam, whether it be the idols, whether it be the, the Salihin Whether it be the Ashjar, whether it be the, the, the righteous individuals or the trees or anything Anything that is taken as a, as a false deity You refer to that as Allah No doubt this is an Aqidah Fasida This is a corrupt Aqidah and then you have the third, def- the third definition, which is, of course, the correct definition, which is لا معبود الحق لا معبود بحق إلا الله that there's no deity worthy of worship in truth besides Allah. So this is the third definition, referring to the affair that nothing is wor- of is worship in truth besides Allah, and so within this is comprehensive. Of the Tawheed al-Uluhiyya Within its definition Comprehensive of the Tawheed al-Uluhiyya And that Nothing is worshipped Or nothing is deserving of worship Has that haqq Has that right And deserving of worship Besides Allah And The word la The word la In the, the character of Tawheed La ilaha illallah This word la is referred to in the Arabic language as a la nafiya al-jins. It's referred to as la nafiya al-jins, meaning that it is an absolute negation. So this la, the particular la, is an absolute negation, meaning that anything that comes after it is absolutely, absolutely negated. So it states la ilaha, meaning that is absolutely no deity. Absolute negation. So there's absolutely no deity 
any that is worthy of worship or truth besides Allah. And the shahada of La ilaha illallah, the shahada of La ilaha illallah is made up of two central pillars. The first of them being the negation that you reject anything that is worshipped besides Allah Taala. And then, the, and then the, the second being the affirmation that you affirm that the worship is what Allah Azza wa Jal without any partners. And Allah Ta'ala states, ذَلَكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنَّا مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ هُوَ الْبَاطِلِ and that is due to the fact that Allah, that is Allah, who is the Haq. And that which is called upon, other than Him, then it is batil. It is falsehood. Along with that, the shahada of, the shahada of uh, La ilaha illallah has conditions as well. From those conditions, is al-ilm, is knowledge. That the person has knowledge of that which they are stating upon their tongue. The shahada of la ilaha illallah, they have knowledge of that. The second is that they have yaqeen, is that they have certainty in that which they are stating regarding the shahada. So they have certainty regarding it. The third is al-ikhlas. That the individual is a mukhlis, is sincere in his statement of the shahada of la ilaha illallah. The third, or the fourth rather, sorry, is al-sidq. The person is truthful. He's truthful in his statement. The fifth is al-muhabba, is love for the statement of la ilaha illallah, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And no doubt the love that the person has for Allah is ibadah, is worshipping of itself. And so, cannot be like the love of, that he has for anyone or anything else. The sixth is al-inqiyad, submission. That the person submits to the will of Allah by way of the shahada. Whilst the seventh is al-kubul, acceptance. That they accept, that they have acceptance of that which they are stating within the shahada. Now when it comes to this affair of the shahada as well, it's not, sufficient, it's not sufficient that the person merely believes it within the heart. A person cannot say, I just believe in the shahada. And suffice with that. Rather, it, it is something that requires belief within the heart and the statement upon the tongue. Because if they merely just believe it within the heart, 
then this is the hal, this is the condition of the mushrikeen, or some of the mushrikeen. Where they believed in the reality of the shahada, of la ilaha illallah. They believed that there's no deity worthy of worship with truth besides Allah. They, they believed that only Allah is deserving of worship in reality. However, due to pride, or due to outside pressures, they would reject that, and not state it upon their tongue. They're not stating upon their tongue, now means that they would they had not entered into, in, entered into Islam. Likewise, the, in regards to the Shahadatain, you have those that don't believe it within the heart, but state it upon the tongue. No doubt, this is the example of the Munafiqeen. Those that have a particular belief within their heart, they have disbelief within their hearts. But then they give the impression of belief by way of their actions or by way of their statements. And Allah Ta'ala mentions in relation to them, إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ قَالُوا نَشْحَدُوا إِنَّكَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ إِنَّكَ رَسُولُهُ وَاللَّهُ يَشْحَدُوا إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَكَاتِبُونَ And so, if the hypocrites come to you, Allah Ta'ala address him, the message of Allah sallallahu alaihi and then they state, "We bear witness that indeed you are the messenger of Allah." Whilst Allah indeed knows that you are His messenger, and Allah bears witness that indeed the munafiqeen are liars, and this is from the pillars. And from the usul in the foundations of nifaq, well, the foundation of the hypocrisy is that they adhere to the fact, and they're well aware of the fact that they are lying. Hence, why when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentions the khisal from the khisal, you know, the, the characteristic of the munafiq was the one that when he speaks, he lies. Because, in order for a person to be upon nifaq, he must lie, he has to lie. He has to lie. So that's the shahada of la ilaha illallah. Thereafter you have the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. The shahada that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. Bearing with that, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi is the messenger of Allah. And what is understood from this, in regards to the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah, is obedience and affirming, first and foremost, of obeying him or believing that which he came with. Tasdiq fi akbar. So that you believe. That which he came with, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and what he's informed us of. Wata'atuhu fi ma'amar, and obeying him, obeying the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in that which he's commanded us with, while staying away and avoiding the shtinab fi ma'naha wa zajar, and then avoiding that which he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, has. Prohibited. 
This is the one that is adhering to the Shahada and the Muhammad Rasulullah. Likewise, upon the individual is that he loves the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than anyone else. As the Nabi alayhi salatu wa mentions in a hadith narrated by Anas ibn Malik, لا يؤمنوا أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس أجمعين. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentions, none of you truly believe until I'm more beloved to you than your own parent, your own father, your own child, and all of mankind. All of mankind. This is the reality of the love for the message of Allah. And so if a person loves anyone more than he loves the message of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, understand that this person is negligent in relation to his love for the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if a person loves the Messenger of Allah وسلم, as much as he loves Allah, then know that this person has fallen into ghulu, he's fallen into extremism and excessiveness in relation to his love of the Messenger of Allah وسلم. And the reality is, is that the correct love for the Prophet وسلم, is somewhere between, is between the both, between the two of them. Is that he doesn't love the Messenger وسلم, in the same manner that he would love his Lord Taala. Nor does he love anyone else more than he loves the Messenger of Allah وسلم. And how a person shows his love for the Prophet وسلم, and makes that manifest first and foremost is this affair of following the Sunnah. And also Allah Ta'ala has attached this affair of loving Allah to following the Sunnah. By way of his statement to Barakah Ta'ala, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَأَتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبِكُمَ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Say, if you truly love Allah, then follow me. I follow the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah will love you, forgive you of your, and forgive you of your sins. And indeed, Allah is the most forgiving and the one that bestows mercy upon the believers. This is the affair of loving Allah. Loving Allah is directly attached to the love for the Prophet Sallallahu and is directly attached to following his Sunnah. Likewise, when the love of the Prophet Sallallahu is the mention and the du'a for him that whenever he is mentioned you mention the word sallallahu alayhi wa for indeed this is for the love that a person has for the Nabi alayhi salatu wa salam and Allah ta'ala mentions inna Allah wa malaikati salloon ala nabi ya ayyuhaladzina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allah Ta'ala mentions, indeed Allah and His angels, they make citations upon the Nabi, the Prophet All you who believe, make dua for him and 
May dua for peace upon him. So this is the manner in which a person has his love for the Prophet and follows his sunnah. Likewise, the Nabi has commanded us with following his sunnah by way of his statement. Alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnatu khulafa'a rashidina mahdi min ba'di addu alayha bin nawajith upon you is my sunnah and a rightly guided sunnah of those who follow me from the rightly guided khulafa'a hold on firm to it with your mawlatif Likewise, for the one that is following and adhering to the to the, the statement of, of Muhammad Rasulullah, is that he fought, he avoids all affairs and leaves off all of newly invented affairs. For the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he mentions, "Wa iyaqum wa muhdafat, wa iyaqum wa muhdafat al-umur, fa inna kull muhdafatin bid'atun." And so he mentions وسلم, And beware of the newly invented matters For indeed Every newly invented affair Is an innovation And every innovation Is a misguidance Likewise he وسلم, mentions Man amila amalan Laysa alayhi amruna hadha Amruna fahuarad And he mentions And whoever does an action that is not found from my from our affair, yani the sunnah, then it is rejected. Likewise, you have the statement of Imam Malik, rahimahullah, where he mentions in relation to the sunnah, man ibtada'a fil Islam bid'atan yuraha hasana, that whoever Newly invents an affair in Islam regarding it as being good. Then it says, if he has said that the Prophet Khan al Rusal. It says, if he has said that the Nabi fell into betrayal in relation to the message. I did not give the full message, Likewise, Allah Ta'ala mentions in relation to the Prophet that he does not speak from desires. Indeed, his speech is from wahi and he has received, his speech is from revelation and he received revelation. And likewise, the same of Allah, the Prophet said, وَمَا أَتَاكُمْ رَسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَحَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ And that which the messenger has come to you with, then take it. And that which is prohibited from you, then Stay away from it. This is the manner of the one that adheres to the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. And adheres to the sunnah and holds firm to the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Thereafter, within the narration, the Messenger, uh, the messenger of Allah, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mentions, Atashadu. And la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah by the first pillar of Islam, the Shahadatain. Thereafter he mentions Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa tuqimu salat. 
I to establish that you establish the prayer. This is from Islam. Sheikh Al Sheikh Rabi'ah, Hafidahullah, he mentions, Laysa ma'nahu to salli faqat. So when it's mentioned to keep a salah, to, to, to establish the prayer, it does not mean that you merely just pray. That this meaning and this word, it was not just so that you pray. Bel fiha khushu' wa fiha ikhlas wa laha shurut wa laha arkan la bud anta stawfiha fa'idha istawfaytaha akamta salah. And so within it, Within all of these nusus, where it mentions the salah, the salah is mentioned with the word iqama. Iqama to salah. Here in the message of Allah, so Allah mentions with taqim salah Or in another narration where it mentions bunya al-islam al-khams, shahad la ilaha illallah, wa ala muhammad rasulullah, wa iqama to salah Or the saying of Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala, wa ma'umiru illa liya'budu allaha mukhrisin al-luhuddin, hunafa'a. When you keep salah, naam, this word iqama is used instead of just merely to salli, i.e. to perform the salah. Why? Because establishing a prayer is in need of many things. Establishing a prayer is in need of khushur. So the one that establishes a prayer, he prays with khushur. The one that establishes a prayer, he prays in a manner which is according to the sunnah of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. By way of his statement, sallu, Pray as you see me pray. The one that establishes the prayer, he prays his salah uh, in at his correct time. As the Nabi as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather states, Inno salata kitaman Indeed the salah has been prescribed upon the believers that is as prescribed times. Likewise, when uh, discussing the affair of uh, the khushu' Allah Taala mentions the surah al-Mu'minun, "Qad aflah al-Mu'minun, al-ladina hum fi salatihim khashi'un." Indeed, the believers are successful. I, the ones that attend the prayer and attentive and have khushu' in their salah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the affair of the believers. And he mentions that they are individuals that are the successful. However, he mentions their success based upon specific characteristics. The first characteristic he mentions was the, their manner in the salah. That they have khushu' in the salah. Likewise, for the men, iqamat al-salah is comprehensive of establishing the prayer in jama'ah. As Sheikh al-Fawzan, hafidhullah, he mentioned, وَمِنْ إِقَامَةُ الصَّلَاةِ صَلَاتُهَا فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ مَعَ الْجَمَاعَةِ From the iqamat al-salah, establishing the prayer is praying in the jama'ah. فَإِنَّ الْجَمَاعَةَ وَاجِبَةٌ عَلَى الْأَعْيَانِ Because indeed the jama'ah is an obligation upon a specifics, upon you specifically. And 
the proof for that is a statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Man sami'a nidaa' falam yajib fala salata lahu illa min udhr. Naam. And so, in the statement of the Nabi alayhi salatu salam, where he mentioned to have a here's the call. Like, here's the call to prayer. And he does not answer it. He does not go to the masjid and pray in the jama'ah. And then there's no salah for him, except that he has a legislated excuse. He does not hold the weight of the salah. He's not, he's not in the same manner which is understood to be the one that's, that has attended the salah. And that he's an individual that has prayed in a manner that he is able to say that he's established the salah in the correct manner. And so within this you find that the salah is mentioned in this with this wording of establishing, establishing it. And it's not merely just actions. It's not merely just actions of uh a ruku or sujood and the likes of that. Rather, the salah has conditions. The salah has pillars. The salah also has wajibat. Thereafter, it mentions. Yeah, the mention of ruku al-thalith, the third pillar. We tie zakah, and this is a pillar that is an obligation. And it's from the wealth that is taken from the rich and given to the poor. Because Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَالَّذِينَ فِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌ مَعْلُومٌ And in relation to their wealth, they have a particular right that they must fulfill. That is known. A particular right that must be fulfilled. That is known. And this is the right, this is the right of the wealth, as to give this zakah. And it's mentioned in relation to the zakah. Then the zakah is the purification of the wealth. The zakah is the purification of the wealth for the believer. At Allah Taala mentions. Allah Ta'ala mentions and take from their wealth as a sadaqah, as a charity that it purified, they can purify themselves and cleanse themselves with it and supplicate for them That indeed your supplication for them is a tranquility for them. And indeed Allah is the all-hearing and all-knowing. So this address from Allah to the Messenger of Allah is the command of the zakah, the command of the zakah. And so anyone that rejects that, no doubt, then they reject this ayah and rejected the reality of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained as 
an obligation. And the zakah, as is understood, is made up of 2.5% of the wealth of the believers. 2.5% of their particular, of their particular wealth. And no doubt within that is much good. It's an aid to those that are in need of it. As well as, as mentioned, the benefit of the one that gives it, that he purifies his wealth. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. Thereafter we have the fourth pillar mentioned. Nawita'i Zakat. Ramadan. And to fast him for Ramadan. The month of Ramadan, which Allah states, Shahrul Ramadan, the month of Ramadan in which the Quran has been revealed. And likewise, Allah states, Ya Iwaladina Amnu, Kutiba Alaikum Siyamu, Kama Kutiba Alaladina Min Kobrikum, Alakum Tatakun. Oh, you who believe, indeed, the fast has been prescribed upon you. Just as been prescribed upon those that came before you, so that you may attain by way of it piety. This ayah is an indication of the greatest of the objectives of fasting. The greatest of the objectives of fasting is that the individual, by way of their fast, they attain, they obtain piety. They obtain piety by way of the fast, because not only are they leaving off the things of their desires. Uh, the things that they desire from, they desire from food and drink. The things that they desire from marital relations. Not only are they leaving this off, but they leave off all of the maharamat. And this is due to the statement of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where he mentions man lam yada' qawlu zur wa amalu bihi laysa lillahi hajun an yada' ta'amu sharaba. That whoever does not leave a full speech or acting upon it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not require, for him, require him to leave off his food and his drink. Meaning what we understand from this is that the individual that is truly seeking to fast in the manner which is required in the sharia, he leaves off not only his food and his drink, but he leaves off full speech, i.e. evil speech, and acting upon evil speech, i.e. any of the muharramat. He says, leave off all of those things. So the individual that seeks off that, that, that is, attains this, and leaves off the muharramat due to him fasting, then no doubt he is attained by way of it, taqwa. He's increased by way of, in his taqwa by way of that. Hence why Allah Ta'ala mentions in the ayah, la'allakum tattakoon. So that you may be from those that have taqwa and attain taqwa. Within, From the other object, uh, objectives, rather, of the fast as well, is that the fast allows the individual to increase in sabr. Increase in sabr. Why? Because the individual is leaving off that which he desires. And so he must train his nafs and withhold his nafs, his own self and his soul, from engaging in that which it desires. And this requires patience. Likewise, from the fast, from the goals of fasting and objectives of fasting, 
is that it seeks to increase a person in shukr, increase a person in gratitude. Because when a person leaves off his food and his drink, this is done due to his ibadah. So he leaves off food and drink due to his ibadah. Whilst he's able to eat and drink, in theory, he's left it off, yani, by choice. And this allows him to reflect upon the reality of others that do not leave a food or drink by way of choice, but way or but by way of poverty and by way of circumstance. And so this should increase them in gratitude for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided them with by way of provisions of their food and drink and provisions of spouses that are lawful to them. From the other goals that I mentioned as well, and mentioned by Sheikh Uthameen, rahimahullah, they mentioned the benefit in, the, in terms of the health, that it is a means of increasing a person in health or in vitality, due to the fact that by way of fasting, they are giving their digestive system a rest for long periods of time. This is something that was mentioned by Sheikh Uthameen, by way of this uh, discussing objectives of fasting, he mentioned this decades ago. And now you're hearing many of those that are qualified mentioning this same thing in relation to fasting, in relation to the benefits of fasting, the benefits of leaving off food. We refer to it as intermittent fasting and the likes of that. And the benefits of those things. Well, this is something which was known and something which was agreed upon by, by the Muslims before this anyway. So this is the fast. Then the final uh, pillar that we wish to discuss today and the pillar of Islam, the final pillar of Islam is the Hajj. Uh, forming the Hajj to the, to the house of Allah as is mentioned in the Sabila, If he's able to do so in, by, in way of that. So the Hajj first and foremost linguistically means Al-Qas. Hajj linguistically means al-qasd, yani intent. Whilst Hajj in terms of the Sharia, the Sharia definition, is the intent to go to the Bayt al-Haram to perform the rites of Hajj, yani the rituals of Hajj and Umrah. Seeking this to Allah Azza wa Jal. So we understand that Hajj and Umrah are two forms of ibadah for Allah Tabaraka Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala mentions Al Hajju Ashur Ma'lumat. That Hajj are months that are well known. As for Umrah, that it can be performed at any point in the year and it's not at a specified time. Where Allah Ta'ala mentions man sabila, however is able to do so, Hajj is requires that the person has the ability. Ability can be that they have the financial ability as well as they have the ability by way of their physical health. They're physically able to perform Hajj. And so Hajj is regarded as being a form of ibadah, which is a person performing ibadah by way of their body, as well as their wealth. 
So they perform ibadah by way of their body as well as their wealth. There's some forms of ibadah which are just with the body. For example, the salah. And there's some forms of ibadah which are just with the wealth. For example, zakah. As for the hajj, then this is, this is ibadah of the body and the wealth. And hajj is of three types. Hajj is of three types. You have hajj, which is referred to hajj tamatu. Hajj tamatu. And this is where the person performs umrah within the months of hajj. They perform the umrah within the months of hajj. After they've completed the umrah, they leave the state of ihram. They come out of the state of ihram. And then they assume the, the, the ihram again in the days of hajj in order to perform the hajj. This is hajj tamatu. The second is referred to as Hajjul Kiran. Hajjul Kiran. Hajjul Kiran is when the individual, again he performs Umrah first. But he does not leave the state of Ihram. He remains in the state of Ihram until he has completed his Hajj. Or until he has completed specific rituals of the Hajj. And then you have the third, which is the Hajjul Ifrad. Where the person does not perform Umrah, he just performs the uh, the, the Hajj alone. As for the Hajj of Al uh, of Kiran, then this is the Hajj that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi did. This is the Hajj that he's alayhi salatu performed. However, the stronger opinion amongst the scholars is that Hajj Tamato is the best form of Hajj to perform. And so the question is asked of course that if this was the best Hajj to perform, why did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam not perform Hajj Tamato? And the reason being is that he had to carry the hadi and travel with the hadi, the, the, the slaughter from Medina. And was not thus able to perform the tamattu. And the reason why we understand that tamattu is the best form of hajj is because we have the narration of Aisha, anha, where she mentioned that he, alayhi salatu wasalam, if he was able to, he would have performed the tamattu. That if he was able to, he would have performed, alayhi salatu wasalam, Hajj at Tamatu. And so these are the different forms of Hajj. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. And we'll conclude here, inshallah, for this uh, sitting. And inshallah, next lesson we will go on, in our next city we'll go on to discuss the pillars of Iman and Ihsan and conclude uh, the hadith as well, inshallah. Rajazakumullahu khaira. Wabarakullahu fikum. وصلى الله وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم